This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see all of you out today. Good to see you here today. We're glad to see uh, Ben Bacon's here. Ben, why don't you stand up? Want everybody to see you? Yeah. Praise the Lord. He is a Marine. He's bad to the bone, so there you go. Glad to see you here. Bless you. Thank you for what you're doing for our nation. All right, we've been talking about the detours in life, things that seem to get us off track. And it can, it can be many things that try to keep us from fulfilling the things God has called us to do. And many times in our life, we have this cycle where we go from denial to anger to even bargaining with God. How many of you have ever bargained with God? You know, I've bargained with God. And what happens when we begin to bargain with God? We say, when, God, when? When will this happen? When, 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 God? And so ultimately what's got to happen here is we come to the conclusion where we realize God doesn't beat to our timetable. He beats to a different timing. And so many times what ultimately happens, if we're not careful, we'll begin to try to make deals with God. And then we say stuff out of our mouth like this. Well, if God shows up at all, he'll show up at the last second. But instead of saying this, why don't we begin to think and say this? God will show up at the perfect time. His time. And so if you've lost your dreams, if you've lost hope in things in life, I believe today God's going to put some hope back in you here. Now, let's begin here in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'll read verses 8 and a little bit of verse 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. So when you read this, there's two things that really stick out. God's got all the time in the world. He's an eternal God, so God doesn't get in a hurry in things according to our timetable. But one of the things I want you to hold fast to here today is he's not slack concerning his promises. In other words, he doesn't waver. When God promises things, God moves and he fulfills. Now turn just a little back to your left, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, begin reading with me in verse number 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. To humble myself in any way in life is to go against being prideful. There's two types of people that the Lord talks about here in 1 Peter 5a. The humble and the, the prideful. It says specifically that God gives grace to the humble. So if you can't figure that out, let me help you a little bit. You want to live humble, okay? You want God to come into your life where you've got to get away thinking you can do everything out of your own ability, your own talents, your own thoughts. So he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he, Father God, may exalt you when? In due time. In due time. Now, that doesn't say on your time. It says in due time. One translation says that he will promote you just at the right time or the appointed time. So I can tell you something. God's never late and God's never early. But he is right on time. He knows what he's doing. Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. We're going to go to Galatians 6. And then to Galatians chapter 4. 
Now, a lot of times this is what happens with human nature. We say we want it now, 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 now. But because we don't understand God's timing, we live upset and frustrated. How many of you have ever been frustrated at God? Man, I've been that way. And that's not God's heart and that's not God's design. A lot of times it's because we don't understand His timing. Galatians 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. When? In due season. Not on my timing. So you know what God tells me there? Just make serving Him a lifestyle. Just serve Him to the best of your ability every day, and in due season, in due time, God's going to cause some things to happen for us. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem us. When did God do that? The fullness of time. One more, one more on this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And so the point in here is, is to get you to see God has time set. He understands things. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, and in due time, or at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now what I want you to see here is a couple things that we just read. First of all, at the due time or the right time, God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus. Then at just the right time or the due time, God had Jesus to be sacrificed on the cross for us. So you can look at all this and you go back and you think, well, why didn't Jesus, when he was born here, why didn't he go ahead and get on the cross early in his life? Why did it take 33 years? I don't know. But all I do know this, that in God's eyes, it was just at the right time that not only Jesus came, but Jesus died for us. So I look and I think this, in my life and probably in your life, I remember there was a stretch of about two years where I'd come to a service just like this, and I'd sit in the back because I smell like alcohol bad. Bad. And I would hear the Word of God, and I'd hear the Word of God, and I remember Sunday after Sunday, the Lord dealing with my heart. And I would walk out and say, not today. Not today. But there was one Sunday that something happened in my heart, and I walked the aisle, and I received Jesus as Lord of my life. You know what that was? That was the right time. That was the appointed time. Now, if God will save me at the right time in the appointed time, don't you think he'll fulfill everything else in your life and my life at the right time, at the appointed time? And so I want to create a, a, a heart in here, a change of heart, where we dream again. That there's things in your life that you may be saying today, I just don't have any hope in that anymore. Go with me in the, in the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17. And as you're turning there, Quit saying things like, God, when are you going to change my spouse? When are you going to save my kids? When are you going to get me this great job? 
When are my dreams going to come to pass? See, listen, guys. God is Jehovah. But He's not Jehovah ATM. He's not Jehovah drive through where we wheel up and we yell over the speaker, Father God, let my dreams come to pass today and supersize it. No, God's got a plan for every one of us, and it's called an appointed time. So we've got to get to the place where we just trust Him in that area. And just maybe today, you've been living under a cloud that something in your life hasn't happened quite the way you wanted it to. And because of that, you feel like you're incomplete. Because you feel like you're inadequate. And so just watching this scripture today, and I believe God's going to light you back on fire here to get you off of that detour back on the right track in life. Uh, Genesis chapter 17. Verse 1, when Abram was 99 years young, the Lord appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am Almighty God. I'm not going to be Almighty God. I am Almighty God. Now, in many translations, if you were reading, they would come out and say, I am Almighty God. It would say, I am El Shaddai. The word El Shaddai means I am the all-sufficient one. So he goes to talk to this man named Abram, and he identifies himself, I am El Shaddai. And so right there, just in that statement, El Shaddai, it identifies God's character, that God is the all-sufficient one. So keep reading here in verse 1. And he tells Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Walk in truth and with a loyal heart to me. Verse 2. And I will make my covenant. I'm going to stop right there. You're going to see that I will make my covenant three times in the the, the very uh, first seven verses. Three times. The word covenant there is one of the most strongly used words in the Old Testament. And that word covenant itself was was referenced over 250 times in the Old Testament. When you talk about covenant with God, it's a big deal. It's if God's saying, I got a personal agreement with you. And when God talks covenant, he does his part. The big thing is, do I do my part? And so he tells Abraham here, and I will make my covenant between me and you, And I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, when God spoke this over Abraham, there were two things that had to happen with Abraham. Number one, he had to believe what Father God said about him. Number two, he had to believe in the timing of God. That if God's the one who promised that I would be the father of many nations, then you know what? I'm going to trust him that his timing will make it happen. Now, when God spoke this to Abraham... From the time he said this until it started happening, you know how many years that was? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. 
And so I really wonder at times if Abraham didn't throw his hands up to God and say, What's up, God? Have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten what you said about me? Keep reading verse 6 and 7. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Now, a lot of times when we read these passages in the Bible, we tend to think this happened overnight. This literally took hundreds of years for Abraham to become the the father of Isaac and the father of Jacob and the father of all the 12 tribes of Israel, from Judah to Ishakar to Dan to Joseph to Manasseh to Ephraim to all them. It was literally hundreds of years. But listen, with every assignment, there's a starting point. And the starting point from Abraham was, number one, God said, I'm going to change your name. Number two, just believe me and trust me and then let me fulfill it in my own time, okay? So we stay there in that chapter and we go to verse number 15. Genesis 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, now look, look at that real close because there's a nugget for you real quick. Then God said to Abraham, notice he didn't call him Abram. He called him Abraham. God began to speak to his future right there. And he said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall call her Sarah. And so God changes their names. Why do you think God changed their names? God changed their names because now their names declared their character and ultimately their new names carried their destiny. So the reason that Father God did this was every time they heard their name Abraham or Sarah, you know what that said to them? Remember what God promised. Remember the covenant. Remember your identity. That you're the father of many nations, and Sarah's the mother of many nations. Now, when this was spoke over them, you know how many children Sarah had? Zero. None. So in her eyes, this looked about as far as from the truth as you can get. Now, here's your little thought on this. Don't ever call or label yourself any other name than what God says about you. I am who he says I am. Don't ever label or name your children anything less than what God says about them. And so what Father God was doing, he was creating faith in their heart. And every time they heard Abraham or Sarah, you know what they were hearing? Father of many nations, father of many nations, father of many nations. Keep reading, verse 16. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. This was Father God talking about Sarah. He said, I'm going to bless her. You know what that word bless there means? Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. And so God was saying that over Sarah. Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Verse 17. 
Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now when Abraham laughed about this, guys, he didn't laugh in unbelief. He laughed with jubilation. He got tickled in his heart because Abraham, he trusted God and he knew when God said he's going to do this, God's going to do it. And so this was a great time in Abraham's life. Now I want you to think back here. God said to him, this is what I'm going to cause to happen in your life. That was part of God's covenant. But if you'll remember in verse 1, he told Abraham his assignment. And what was Abraham's assignment? Walk before me and live blamelessly. So Abraham was to trust in God and live loyalty to the, with a loyal heart to the Lord. And so Abraham had an assignment too. Now we jump for time's sake to chapter 18, verse number 1. Genesis 18, 1. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham by the Tirbanith trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tenth door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and he looked, behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the ground. Now, if we were really to dissect this and read through the next few verses, those three men were actually angels. Now, if you go back in the Old Testament, you see this numerous times, how angels would appear to men as men. You see it referenced many times in the New Testament. I just want to throw this out here real quick. I believe this happens a lot more than we think it does. Let me give you two, two New Testament scriptures on that. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says that God sends his ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. So when you get born again, God assigns angels to you. And he says, now you angels, you take care of Eddie Rojas. You're assigned to Eddie. So if I've got angels assigned to me, I'm going to make them busy. I'm going to put them on assignment. I'm going to tell them to get busy. You know, every time I, I travel in a car, I loose the, the, the angels of God. I tell them to be camped about me. And when I fly in an airplane, I don't trust the wings of the airplane. I trust the wings of God. I'm going to tell you right now, I say, Father God, you said your angels are encamped about me and watch over and protect me, and no evil will befall me. That's in, this, in Psalm 92. And so I believe this happens. The second reference is found in Hebrews 13, verse 2, and it says, that, that many times we've entertained strangers or angels and we were unaware of it. So once again, this is what happens right here. These angels show up. Same chapter, verse 9. Then they said to Abraham, where is Sarah? Now note, they didn't call her Sarai. They called her what God said. Where's Sarah? Where is the mother of many nations? Your wife. So he said here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you. Get this. According to the time of life. According to what? According to the time of life. So you know what, what these angels were telling Abraham? 
I haven't forgotten what I said to you. I haven't forgotten what I've called you to be. And up until this point, Abraham was the only one that knew what God said. This was going to be the first time that Sarah heard that God said, you're going to have a child. So we keep reading here. Verse 10. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, almost as it was too late. Verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And so she laughs within herself. Now her laugh was not only a laugh of disbelief, it wasn't jubilation, It was disbelief, but it was a laugh of something else. It was a laugh of a woman who had literally grieved the loss of her dream. That dream within her had died. Her whole life, she desired to have a child. And if you go back and think in this passage, she wanted to have a child so bad, that she allowed her husband, Abraham, to have a child with her her, uh, maidservant named Hagar. And Hagar had a son named Ishmael. And it wasn't good, but this was such a big deal. This was a dream of this woman that had literally died within her heart. And now she's hearing this, and her thought is, too old. It's too late. The clock has struck zero. I think she looked at those angels and had the thought, boys, I'm 90. How many of you have seen a 90-year-old at the beach on the 4th of July that's pregnant? I've never seen that. But this is what God was saying to her. Keep reading, verse, verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I'm so old? Now this angered God. You know why it did? Because he's El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. Now to put hope back in her, and I want this to put hope back in you, That if your dreams have died on the inside of you, or they're just barely flickering, listen what the Lord says to her in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, a lot of times, I I think we forget God's the creator of everything. He created you and me. He created the sun. God is the one who tells the sun when to rise and to set. He's the God who tells the stars when to twinkle. He's the God who told the rivers which way to flow. And so right here he's looking and saying, Listen, darling, is anything too hard for me? El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one? Now pay close attention to the wording here at the end of verse 14. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah 
shall have a son. So you know what the Lord was saying to her? Quit looking at life according to your timetable. That God's saying, I've got a plan. And my plan is this. I'm never early and I'm never late. But I am right on time. I am right on time. Now I want you to go to the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 2. And you say, where is Habakkuk? Well, it's tucked in there between Nahum and Zephaniah. In my Bible, that is page 1225. Probably won't do you a bit of good. Now, as you're turning there, let me tell you a few things here. God challenged Sarah and Abraham to, number one, believe me. Believe the things I've spoken to you. Number two, he's telling trust me with the timing. Just keep your eyes on me. And as I see this, you know what I sense the Lord even for every one of us in this room? You know what he's saying? I dare you to believe me again. I dare you to hope again. Even when you've grieved or you've cried over the very thought of your dreams not coming to pass. And I believe the Lord's saying this. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 50. I don't care if you're 90. All things are possible with God. Remember that. That God's the God who will move even when we, we don't think He can. Don't put God in a box. Begin to trust Him. Now here we are in Habakkuk chapter 2. And Habakkuk's having some issue in his life and he's needing God to speak to him. So we pick up in verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and He said, Write the vision or the dream. Make it plain or simple on tablets that he may run who reads it. So the Lord right here is telling Habakkuk, I want you to write your dreams, your desires on a piece of paper. You're the one who's going to run. You're the one who's running in life. And every time life starts seeming to get hard, just pull that back out and begin to look at it and remind yourself of the dream. Remind yourself of the vision. Keep reading. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, a fitting time, the right time. See, don't try to fulfill a dream on your own time because when you try to fulfill a dream on your own time, you get out of God's timing. And when you get out of God's timing, you get out of God's will. Now, what happens as human beings, we get impatient. And we start insisting on things happen. Now, God, now, 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 now. I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. And you know what God will ultimately do? He'll allow you to take on that assignment even before it's the right time. And there's one word that'll define that. It's called pain. Anytime you jump out ahead of God, and we've seen it, it may have happened to you, where maybe you insisted on getting married, and ultimately it caused pain because you wouldn't work on God. How many have ever insisted on a job? And you got there and you think, this wasn't what I thought. 
And before long, all hell broke loose. And how many of us has insisted on moving because the pasture's greener over there? But the thing about the green pasture is the greener it is, the more it's got to be mowed. And we insist on this job. And we insist on this. And ultimately, it causes pain. Have you ever married someone, pastor, that you didn't think was the will of God? Absolutely. Why didn't you tell them? Because they didn't ask. I've sat there before and I thought, oh, Lord, help them, help them, help them, help them. And ultimately, you know what people have said to me before? If you don't marry us, we're just going to go to the justice of peace and get married. And so you know what you find out? You're fixing to learn the hard way. And when you learn the hard way, it's spelled P-A-I-N. Pastor, have you ever experienced pain? Absolutely. Because I insisted on things on my own timing. You know, when I'm 21 years old, I graduate from Bible school, and I've got this thought. I am fixing to go right into the ministry. I'm fixing to be the man of the power or the hour with power. I got great things to say to the world. And years started going by, and I wasn't in the ministry. And I got pretty antsy. And I remember times I'd throw my hands up and say, God, do you see? Do you see? And there came a point in my life where I got very content. And I said this to Father God. I said, Lord, if all I ever do the rest of my life is serve in my brother's church, I'll do it. What you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. And so I began to serve with a passion. I was very content. And at the ripe young age of 40, God put me into the ministry. And I thought for a long time, it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. But you know what? God had an appointed time. And you know why God had that appointed time? Because I had a bunch of flaws in me. I had some character flaws, and God said this to me. He said, listen, boy, i got to put you on the ironing table. i got to iron out some of those wrinkles. Because if I don't, you're going to do more damage than good. And when I look back at the rearview mirror of life, I thank God that I went ahead and just waited till his appointed time. Because when I get out there and I'm too early, God's not a part of it. Here's a thought for you also as a parent. Don't try to live your dream through your children. Many times we've done that. And ultimately what happens, it causes pain. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, I grew up in a very athletic home and we lived and breathed athletics. And my son, he, he didn't have an athletic bone in him. He hated competition. And I'll never forget, my father said to me, he said, whatever you do, don't force him to do something that he doesn't want to do. And so I remember backing off and allowing him to be himself. And to this day, he's an incredible musician. He can play any instrument, and he's never had a lesson. Because that was his gifting. And it was some of the best advice my father ever gave me, because a lot of times, we want to live our dreams right through our children, and instead of saying, what's God calling you to do? Watch your heart. And so right here, he tells Habakkuk, he says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. 
and it will not lie. It'll be fulfilled. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That word tarry means it won't delay. It will happen when I wait patiently on the Lord. Instead of getting over and saying, win God, win God, win God. I just begin to trust Him. And I say, thank you, Father God, for those dreams. You know, the Bible is very clear that God gives us the desires of our heart. And so I just live for Him. And I serve Him. Verse number 4. Behold the proud. Behold the proud. There's two types of people. There's the proud and there's the humble. You don't want to be on the proud side, okay? The Bible's clear that God resists the proud. So he says right here, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. You know why his soul's not upright in him? Because he's trying to do everything out of his ability. I know. I know what to do. And so look how this verse ends. But the just shall live. The just shall be preserved. The just shall flourish. The just shall enjoy life. The just shall experience happiness when they live by his faith. When I just begin to trust God, and I begin to say, okay, Father God, I'm going to trust you for everything that you have for me. And I'm going to trust your timing. Now, I'm not going to have you, you turn there, but this is a great verse. Hebrews 6.12 says this, Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, I don't know about you. I like the word faith. That's not that big of a deal to me. But I hate that word patience. I hate that word. And the Lord tells me over and over, you better get where you like it. Because that's the way the godly inherit is through faith and patience. And so you go back and he says, imitate those. So I looked at what Abraham did. And I looked at what Sarah did. And you can go back and you look at the patriarchs of faith over and over and over and over again. It was literally years. Remember with King David. He was 17 when he was called to be the king. He didn't become the king until he was 30. Joseph had the great dream when he's close to 17. He doesn't walk in that until he's 29. Something happens in that time. You know what in that time? God begins to mold you and God begins to shape you. And I believe this, the only way that the process is speeded up is when I live blamelessly. And I walk before him all the days of my life. And all of a sudden, God starts building character in us. Stand up with me here this morning. I don't know what your dreams are, but God does. God sees your pain. God sees your grief. God sees your hearts today. And let me tell you something. He hadn't forgot you. He hasn't forgot. And I believe he's wanting to stir us back up here this morning. Actually, the Lord gave me a couple words and he said, I want to revive ones today. I want to reignite things within you today. And so I believe this, that part of that happening is I need to, I need to repent. 
when I've lived angry and frustrated at God, and I've said stuff toward God that it wasn't God. God was just waiting for the appointed time, the right time, the fitting time. And so it may look like this today, that you come down here and say, and Father God, I'm sorry for having a sorry attitude. I'm sorry for bellyaching every day of my life. And I ask you to forgive me. Now, Father God, I welcome your plan for my life. And I welcome your timing for my life. And I believe when we give God an invitation, some of you are going to sense the things of God stir back up on the inside of you. Some of you have had dreams about occupations. Some of you have had dreams about getting married. Let me tell you this about marriage right now. There's some godly women out there. And there's some godly men out there. And if you'll be patient and you won't settle, God will bring you one. He'll bring you one. He'll bring you a good one. If I'll just be patient. Just wait and say, thank you, Father God. Ooh, I thank you you're bringing me that spouse. I thank you, you're bringing me a prince. I thank you're bringing me a princess, Lord. I thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.